just those songs, like, are so... Oh, I'm already crying. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but thank you, because that was just obviously um, considered. And I just felt God moving just as soon as I... As soon as I put my hands out, it was just like the spirit just came and I just appreciate your hearts to consider what he would want to bring through worship. And, oh. Anyway, um, experiencing God has been so different to what I would have expected this time around. Um, I did this study about, what, four years ago or something, five years ago now, and it was a really, um, it was a really awesome sort of step into my adult life down here in Victoria. I just moved from Queensland, and <coughs> thanks, Mars. Um, I had pretty much just been living under the um, teachings of my mum and dad and the church, and it, I didn't really have a real. Um, personal experience with God. Um, it was very much what I was learning from pastors and youth leaders and this study that we did with a bunch of people in this room was incredible at understanding what it actually means to have a personal close relationship with God like a father. Um, and I sort of expected it to be a bit of a repeat but it's just incredible that God is doing something completely different through the same words and the same scriptures and the same teachings. And um, this time around, I'm finding not so much that I'm learning to know God and how he works in my life closely, but to know God as a almighty king and how I can incorporate my close and personal experience where he interacts with me in my day-to-day but then also to consider him as a king where I would bow down to and worship. And it's been a really, oh, the way that he's revealing himself to me through the scriptures, it's just like I'm reading scriptures that I've read a thousand times, but have got a completely different meaning to them. Um, anyway, this last week, um, not the one we're doing at the moment. I feel like I was meant to share about the one last week, so hopefully I got that right. But anyway, um, we were looking at knowing God, worshipping God, loving God and joining God. Um, and one of the biggest things that I've sort of been drawn to throughout the last couple of weeks is this word righteousness. Um, one of the first scriptures we read was from Matthew where it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And it, I sort of stopped there. And I think it was on day one and I was like, oh, well, we could be here for four weeks. Like, what does it mean to seek God's righteousness? What is righteousness? Like, what, what is, how can I be righteous in order to seek God's righteousness? And anyway, through all that, I got some revelations of, you know, being free from guilt and free from sin and acting lawfully and morally and um, even things like Abraham believing that um, it was faith that credited to him his righteousness in God. Um, but through all of this, last week we were reading um, sort of like in Thrive where there's like that piece of paper that says tick the boxes of how you've experienced God and God is father God is comforter God is you know there's about a hundred of them and I sort of sat on this page and read through pretty much every scripture that went alongside all these names for God and I just went like wow like 
there is like a hundred experiences here and I can say wholeheartedly that I have experienced God in every single one of these ways, whether big or small. Um, but one that I got stuck on this week was um, God is my support. So we started off the week with describing an event through which we know that God came and worked in our life. And I just wrote down an event. It's quite easy to know, you know, when God's working in your life. Um, and sort of didn't think too much about it. And then I'm reading this scripture about support. And um, it's from Second Samuel 22. I might just quickly read it. Um, sorry, give me a sec. It says, uh, He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They came upon me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out to an open place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Um. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness and according to the clean, cleanliness of my hands, and he has rewarded me. And part of that being so beautiful to me in reading about God being my support was it brought it back to this idea that I've been exploring of righteousness. And it gave me this picture. It's talking about cleanliness of hands. And I just have felt this whole last couple of weeks, this posture of just holding my hands out. And it's sort of that simple. Like, we can really overcomplicate God and really overcomplicate the Bible, but, like, he's king and we just need to hold our hands out and just trust him. And this idea of him supporting me and wondering how I need to act and what I'm doing wrong in order to be righteous, it's like, just hold out your clean hands and, and love and support, and I'll love and support you for it. And it's like this idea of Abraham being credited for his faith. It's just, it's just a posture of, Jesus, you're my king and I just want to worship you. Um, anyway, looping back around to the, to the study this week, uh, last week, um, the last, one of the last questions that we had to answer was, describe a time when God invited you to become involved in his work. And... Just for a refresher, the first question was describe an, a, an event through which you experience God working in your life. And the difference is it's sort of like my life focused at the start of the week and then when I entered into God's work and I realised that God had given me, not until we were even sitting in the study, I was like, oh, hang on, I've just written down the same experience for both of those events. Um, and that, yeah... That transition of understanding the difference between God working and coming and joining in on an event in my life to then understand that God was there the whole time and it was actually something he was doing and I decided to join in with his work and for a bit of like reference, we had a um, quite an important um, occasion a couple of weeks ago relating to the whole family court case and it was pretty overwhelming. Um, 
most of you probably have a pretty clear understanding of the situation, but um, there is a person in our world that is doing things that hurt and... It can feel really hard to do this to God, to relating to this situation because we have a lot at stake here and it's not like, oh, like, will we get the job or will we, you know, get the money? It's like, will we get our kids? Like, so this is really hard. And anyway, Tim and I had to go up to the city and see this forensic psychologist and it was a big day. It was very overwhelming and a lot was riding on it and... um we didn't know what was happening or we were sent was an address and show up and answer questions and we thought we were going in together and she pulls Tim in and I'm sitting in the waiting room for almost an hour not knowing what she's saying to Tim and not knowing what Tim is saying to her and I've got to give her the same answers and I'm just sitting there for almost an hour just going, Jesus, like, how could you do this to me? How could you put me through such a stressful experience? And... <laughs> He just does what he does and he he sent me straight to um, a scripture. Uh, I'll just read it because it sort of just will explain it a lot better than I would. He said, oh man, do not fear anything for I'm with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand. A hand of justice, of power, of victory, and of salvation. Indeed, all those who are angry with you will be put to shame and are humiliated. Those who strive against you will be as nothing and will perish. You shall search for those who quarrel with you, but will not find them. They who war against you will be as nothing, as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, keep hold of your right hand. I am the Lord. Who says to you, do not fear, for I will help you. And I was sitting there just begging him for something and I didn't like it wasn't like oh well I'll open the bible and just tell me like I heard clearly go to Isaiah 41 10 and that's my promise to you and in this study it's just like I think the first time I went through it was like you know where can God meet me and where where can I find God in my daily walks and in my conversations and my life has changed a lot in the last five years and I, I really needed that close relational side of God. But what I'm learning is that, particularly in this last week, that he just he doesn't enter in and out of our lives. He's just constant. And when I was sitting in that chair, it wasn't like he came and his spirit just showed up. He was he was there before me. He arrived before me and he is just so gentle in how he waits and allows us to invite him in. Um, and 
And it's just this thing that keeps coming back around to this righteous posture of just having your hands out. And one of the things I think I mentioned on Monday night was when I was reading that scripture, um, when I was sitting waiting to go in, um, it says that his righteous right hand and my righteous right hand will be held together and that is like a physical, you have to be facing someone to hold their right hand unless you do a, you know, weird side thing. But like it was just this picture of, hey, we've, we're together, arms held facing each other, I'm going in with you. I'm but it was like a, a constant, like if you're my righteous daughter and if, if you're going to hold your clean hands out, I'll, I'll be there, I'll be holding it all along and... Yeah, that's that's sort of the big revelation I had last week. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. Grace, that was great. You're a great communicator. You really are. Like you just just naturally go on with these fantastic truths and the things that God's doing for you, and it's really impacting. It's really beautiful, actually. So thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, I feel like, I hope people aren't getting FOMO if they're not doing Experiencing God because pretty much well that's what I'm talking about. Everything sort of, you know, all my spiritual conversations sort of, oh, well, in the study or in Experiencing God. Bit of a theme, but it's doing great things. Oops, doing great things um, in me. And so for those who aren't doing the study, just a really quick sort of overview of the study has this, um, and some of you may have done it, so a bit of a refresher, but the study has these seven pillars, I guess, or foundations that it works through, these truths that everything's linked to. And the first one is that God's always at work around us, so he's already at work. Um, the, second thing, the second pillar is God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. And I know for some of us, that was even just that was just like a massive one. It's like... He actually wants to pursue me, pursue being the word, you know, and it's a personal love relationship with me that he wants. Um, third one is God invites us to become involved with his work. And I know for me that's, you know, I can be very guilty of going, God, will you just come and get involved with this thing I'm about? Come and bless what it is that, you know, it's God, it's your work, it's church or it's this or it's that. So surely it's of you or, or it's, you know, I want to make my business about you. And so just come and bless this thing, you know. And it's like, well, hang on, it doesn't work like that. You know, he gets to call the shots and he invites us to become involved with what he's up to, not the other way around. The fourth truth is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit. Um, so we can expect to hear from him. And he speaks through the Bible, through prayer through circumstances and the church to reveal himself, his purposes and his ways. And then the next truth is that when he does that, God invites us for you. God's invitation is for you to work with him and it always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. I think I really like to gloss over that one. It's like, it's like yeah, great, I'm about you, you speak, I get to be a part of your work. Not so much about the crisis of belief, please. I'd rather not have that one. And then sort of linked arm in arm is that one. Arm in arm with that one is the, the, the sixth one, which says you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. You know, he's not of the world. He's, you know, it's, it's, his ways are going to be different. 
And then through that whole process, the byproduct of that is that we come to know God, which is this last truth. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through us. So that's kind of, you know, a bit of an intro, a bit of an overview of what experiencing God's all about. And I think, you know, like me, probably, I think most of us here would would come into, you know, our worlds, our, our lives with some level of desire to serve God. You know, we want we want to follow him. We want to follow his will for our lives. Um, but I think, you know, in my mind, I've got some paradigms of what that looks like. And I think, you know, some of this course is challenging that. But I recognise that for me, a big obstacle on that journey in following him is that I've got my own desires. I've got the things that I want to do and the things that I want for my life and the things that I deem as good. And I guess I have a, I can find myself having a lack of trust that, you know, God's plan for my life is going to be as good as mine. You know, it's like I want, I want both. So I can find myself having a foot in each camp, you know, one in mine, one in God's. You know, it's kind of like let's have a bit of a dabble in a life of faith following God, but let's have a side order of a life of ease and goodness as determined by Glenn, you know, and, and yeah, I can find that a real, um, a real pull at times. And I guess, unfortunately, dabbling and, and, and a life of faith, they don't really go so well together. They're a little bit like oil and, what is it? Oil and water, water and water, yeah, or balsamic vinegar and oil or whatever it is, you know. Actually, that goes really well together. <laughs> I love I love oil and balsamic. Oil and water, let's go with oil and water. But um, but it's, I, was, I came across this verse. Um, I think, again, it was one of the verses in the study, but you'll know it. James 1, 5 to 7 speaks into this. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Mm. Do not waver. Oh, I find myself wavering at times. You know, I don't know about you, but I find myself wavering, find myself doubting. At, um, at work at AFI, we have a big sign on the wall and it reminds us of some of our core values and one of our core values is to be leaders, not followers. And the narrative and the culture that sits behind, you know, that statement is really that in our business, we want to be, we want to be leaders, you know, sort of pretty obvious, I guess. But, you know, we want to be first to market. We want to have the best tech. We want to have the best products. All of that, leaders, not followers. And I think um, what I'm discovering about a life following Jesus, I shouldn't, I'm a bit of a slow learner probably because I've heard this all my life, but I think, you know, the rubber's hitting the road that a life following Jesus is often counter-cultural. And if I apply a leaders, not followers mentality to my faith walk, it, it, it doesn't really work. You know, I think if I was translating leaders, not followers into kingdom language, it would probably read followers, not leaders. You know, it'd be the exact opposite. And it's not that God doesn't have a place for leadership. I think absolutely he does. But he's looking for leaders who will be leaders that want to follow him. 
um, another verse that highlighted this for me and 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 helped me in my was helping me in my wrestle is Isaiah 55 8 to 9 for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts and so I guess coming back to the start if God's already at work around us and you know, he wants to pursue a continuing love relationship with me that's real and personal. And if he wants to invite me to become involved with his work, how do, how do I know where he is at work? How do I know? Like, if I've got the courage to take that step, how do I actually know that? And I think one of the things that um, is probably in bright neon lights for me at the moment as I look over my story and as I look around, yeah, around me, I think there's two things that I believe blind me from the work that God's doing around me. And one of them is, as I said earlier, my own desires. You know, the things that I determine as good, which, you know, I think put simply is a lack of belief that the life God would have for me is as good as the life I would have for me. Some would call that pride. Um, but ultimately, at its core, it's a belief that I guess that I know better than God. I guess if I drill down into it, I don't, I don't think I like to drill down into it. I think I like to have these ideas and they sit in the surface and it's like, but actually if I go foraging into what sits behind that idea, you know, ultimately, you know, essentially I've got some ideas of, you know, I've, 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 you know we're at a stage and stage in life where it's like we're thinking about what, what that sailing into the sunset thing might look like for us and it's like, well... I'm willing to f follow you, God, but not at risk of losing that. Like, come on, like, I want that bit too. Like, don't, don't put that up there at risk. And somehow I can think that, you know, it's interesting, somehow I can think that my belief in God or my picture of God is that I can't have that as well, like that he won't have good things, forgetting that maybe that the very good things that I have around that are actually came from him. But, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that stops me, that blinds me from the work that God's doing around me is that I've got my own thoughts, my own desires and, 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 and ultimately I have a fear, you know, which was which is the second thing I'd say, the second thing that's sort of interlinked, a fear that um, his ways aren't going to be as good as mine, you know. Yeah, I, I, I had a... Um, I had a conversation with Leanne this week and I was just trying to unpack like why I might be fearful and why I might th think that God's got God's way is not going to be as good as my way you know and I and, and I recognize in some ways the stupidity of, of 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 that belief like I can recognize that that is a lie but it's but I can live in that lie really quite comfortably you know and so you know, my fears are really unfounded if I take a catalogue of my history. If I look back over what he's done in our lives and the way he's just shown me so many times his generosity, his goodness, his favour and love, you know, I can recognise that... You know, I was saying to Leon, what am I actually afraid of? Like, why would I be afraid of this? Like, what have I got to base... Like, if this was a court of law, you know, what evidence have I got in my case against God that would say your ways are not as good as mine and I just recognize that 
I just don't have a case. Like, if you get thrown out of court, you know, I do not have a case. But somehow, you know, I can believe these things and they just, they've just become our reality. You know, I was thinking of Hannah, as some of you know, has a disproportional fear, in my opinion, disproportional fear of spiders. You know, she also happens to be a... She also happens to be a spider magnet, you know. <laughs> it's like, if there's going to be a spider, it's going to be sitting above Hannah's head. Like, she just attracts them somehow. But I was thinking about it, and it's like, where did she get this fear of spiders? And as far... <laughs> yeah, look up. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was thinking about it. I was like, where did she get this fear of spiders? She's never been bitten by a spider. She doesn't, as far as I know, never been known anyone being bitten by a spider. No, no bad, horrible thing has occurred because of spiders, as far as I'm aware. I could have this wrong. Maybe she'll give, breathe some truth into that later for me. But, but um, so, sorry? Yeah, but that's not Hannah. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, no one's died around her from spiders. Now, she'll go and play around with Raph, her horse, and, you know, I've, I can think of lots of people that have gotten a big whack, not think of, I've heard lots of stories of people being really hurt badly by horses, you know, and she's got no fear for that horse, and yet for these little spiders she's got a fear because there's this disproportionate fear and it's like what's it based on? And I just was connecting with that and realising how similar I am right. to that, you know, it's like, it's not about spiders, it's about I've got this disproportionate fear that God is not going to provide me the things that I want and need and that I will be the loser and I will miss out and that I won't have the life I planned by this, you know, following of God. And so I keep my feet in both camps. It's like I'm going to go down this path, I'm going to go down that path. And James says that, well, it's no wonder you're feeling pulled and unstable because a divided, what does it say, a, d a divided loyalty, sorry, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind and I shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's like, wow, okay. Yeah. I guess as I was, um, as I was thinking this all through, I was saying to Leanne, I really feel like there's a time an opportunity, an invitation for us to just um, put a stake in the ground, I guess, and just go, you know what, like, we can trust you. You know, we, we need to stop doubting. We need to stop fearing. We need to just go, you know what, you've got, you've always come through for us. So let's just say yes, you know, because I feel like I feel like we can dabble and I can feel like we've got a foot in each camp and I feel like we've got a desire to write the script ourselves without necessarily having him write it. And, and I think because of that, we're holding him back on what he would do with us and what he would want to do through us. You know, experiencing God is all based on biblical stories and um, it leans on the fact that God says he doesn't change which is pretty confronting with some of the stories that you read in the Bible. It's like, well, geez, you know, you don't change, you, you know, smite people down. You know, this week we are reading about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, wow, ouch. You know, no, that was somewhere else I read that. Anyway, same, it was from the Bible. And was it, was it Sodom and Gomorrah? There you go, it was. There you go. Great. Glad I got my 
editors here. But, you know, it's like that can be a bit scary to think that God's a God that doesn't change. Um, but it can also be really encouraging because you see the crazy things, you know. It's the same God that split the Red Sea and rescued the Israelites from the Egyptians. It's the same guy that led them through the wilderness under cloud and fire and delivered them to the promised land. Like it's the same, he, he, you look at, their, look at the situations of so many biblical stories and you go, everything was stacked against them and yet God came through. You know, and so when I look at my situation through a lens of practicality and what I could expect logically from this situation, I can lean on the fact that God's a God that doesn't change and he can do incredible things. Um, and I think the other thing that we've been learning and recognising is that when God speaks, in many of the stories in the Bible, when he speaks, there's actually a really big gap between what he says and when the thing happens. And I think that's another piece that can leave us um, going into a little bit of a spiral, a downward spiral, because we can get impatient and we, we can doubt that he's going to do the things he said because it's been so long ago that he said them. You know, Abraham, it was 25 years before Isaac was born and he was already an old dude. He was already laughing at the time that God said it and then God waits another 25 years, you know. And it's like there's such that we can, we can get, um, yeah, really discouraged in that, I can, I think. I think, again, one of the things we've learnt in the study is... Um, we can wonder why God takes so long. It's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you not doing this? It's, it, it's clear that you said that, I believe that, but it's been so long. So what's going on? And, and one of the things that's consistent in the stories that um, we've been learning about through experiencing God is sometimes we aren't ready. You know, and God's got to build in us the character that we need to live out the purpose that he's spoken into. So he might have spoken into it, but he's got stuff to do in us that you know, we're not ready. And I think I can take myself out of that picture and go, well, God just needs to just do things when he's ready. But what's my role in that? You know, I can think of a number of times where God said to me, I'm not waiting for you. Oh, sorry, where he said that he's not wait I'm not waiting for him. He's waiting for me. You know, and I can sit there and go, well, it feels like I'm waiting for you. But possibly if I'm living a foot in each camp existence, possibly is like, well, once you're all in, then I can then I can work with you and then I can, you know, and I'll, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm a God of eternity, so we've got to do this lap around the mountain a few more times. What's 20 years to me? Well, 20 years means a lot to me. <laughs> But to him it doesn't so much and I just, you know, I think what, I wonder how much of what I blame on God and what we might blame on God for the delays and the things he's spoken into us have got nothing to do with God and everything to do with us. One of the, the questions we've been exploring um, is if we can get to the point where we can overcome our fears, our doubts around our obstacles, um, how do we know for sure that it is God? If we, if we get to the point where it's like, all right, God, we want to get involved with the work that you're doing around us. We believe that we believe in you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break off the fears that hold us back from doing that. How do we actually know that you're at work? And, um, and I'll try and whip through this one because I've probably haven't got time to do this. But, but um, one of the things that 
here we've been learning is that there's um, there's only there's a certain things that only God can do, and the three things that He talks about in this study is that when God's draw, when drawing people to Himself, causing people to seek Him, and revealing spiritual truth, are actually things that only God can do, and I, f- I found that quite amazing because I feel like that's a bit of a aha moment for me, because of what He goes on to say and what what we've been learning is that you know when someone's asking a spiritual question when they're asking something about God or they've got some, some, some queries that are God-related in your life, that is, can only be God. And the day I did this study, this particular day of the study, and it was revealing that, um, I had a phone call from a mate of mine and he knows that on the way to work, most days I'll, I'll stop and do a bit of God time and some journaling and, and he rings me up and he goes... Oh, I'm trying on that journaling thing, you know, that you do. And he's not, he doesn't have a faith. And, um, and normally I'd just go, oh, yeah, I'd probably just brush it off. It's like, oh, yeah, good on you. Yeah, well done. Good, great. How are you? You know? And I thought, okay, I'd just done this study that day. And it's like, okay, I'm going to lean into this. So I just leant into it and I asked him some questions and it went on to this really fantastic conversation. And it was just a, you know, a great... Um, reminder for it was a great example straight after learning a a a theoretical thing that you know we can see when god's at work and we can know it's him and we can drop what we're doing if people around us are asking those sort of questions and so it's just this great opportunity to get involved with him but in some ways that's a bit of a segue but um if i if i think of if i think of some of the things um that god has spoken to me I wondered if we, as a group, can relate to a moment where God was speaking to us and we just were really on a high from that. Like we had this some type of encounter with God where it was just we walked away from that going, wow, that was definitely him. You know, I was, I've been thinking about that a little bit and, you know, it might have been recently, it might have been a month ago, it might have been 10 years ago. And in that moment... And directly after that moment you know can you relate to having a real confidence you know like I can think of some of the stories around this room like Ben you obviously had a confidence at some point to go I'm getting on a plane and I'm relocating to Australia and I assume there was some sort of God piece around that that gave you the courage to go yeah we're doing this you know and it's like you know and I would expect and I know actually because I know you've said this that there's been moments after that where you didn't have the same level of confidence like what am I doing here like what's the go with this you know and I think I can relate to that in my own life where there's definitely some moments that where God's spoken and it's been really clear in that moment and maybe for the preceding week, month, even maybe 12 months. But then as I've looked at it a little bit longer, as, as I've walked the track and it doesn't feel like things are happening the way I thought they might be happening as a result of that word and as a result of that action, I can find myself doubting that you know, maybe I did I hear right, or is or is or or, or is that you know was that even him? Because life hasn't played out, and I think um, I think sometimes I can, as I recognise some of the words, because I know some of the words that sit in this room. I think some of sometimes we can go into self-preservation, where it's like we're almost too scared to believe because it's easier not to, because if I believe that that is true. Um, I might get excited about that. I might get hope-filled about that. I might think that that's going to be a wonderful thing for me, for my family. 
But I don't want to believe that because if I do, I'm just going to be disappointed, you know. And so it's just easier not to believe it. It's easier not to partner with that thing. I was, um, we're going to take a moment in a minute just to, for you guys to be thinking of what that word is for you, what that, what that moment was for you. Because I do believe that there's not a person in this room that God hasn't had something to say where directly after that or directly around that, you had a real confidence that that was definitely God. And I think time, the enemy, our humanity can dilute a lot of what he wants to do and what he wants to say. And I think our absence of partnering with him can um, possibly prevent him from being able to work that through our lives. And, um, yeah, I was thinking a bit about it, you know, back for the older people in the room that didn't have, you know, just you you can self-define, self-describe, self-label. But um, I was thinking about, you know, back when I got my licence, my my dad was, he'd tell me where how to get somewhere. And he, you know, would be, back then they did have Melways and it would have been much easier just to say, here's, you know, go to A12 on page 33 and that's where you need to go. But he just loved a mud map and a picture and a, hey, take this right and go past the second tree and drive over the bridge and, you know, and he was, ah, oh, it, it was a shocker at it actually. But, but <laughs> oh, the amount of times I got lost, you know, but what you would do when you got lost in those days, pre-Apple Maps and all those sort of things, is you'd go back to the place where you knew you, you knew, yeah. right, the bridge, the bridge. I know from I know that bit's right, you know. And I think it's not dissimilar to our spiritual walk, you know. I think there are moments where we just got to go back to the bridge, you know. It's like I know that was right in that moment. How do I walk and how do I take steps forward? from that moment knowing that that was God. Like I'm not lost if I go back to that juncture. So I want us just to close our eyes and just take a couple of minutes now in some silence and go, what was that for me? Like what was that moment? So have you got it? Have you got that moment? Have you got that truth that you know was God's? Hold on to it. So this is what he says about that truth. In Isaiah 46, 11, 
I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. I have planned it, I will also do it. In case you're slow like me, he just backs it up again in Isaiah 55:11. He says, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now, if he says it, he's going to do it. It might not be on your timeline, or it might be because our love for us is still building what he needs to build in us to fulfill what it is that he needs. And if you believe that was true, if you believe that the season you're in that you're not particularly excited to be in right now was a character-building season for the things that he's got for you, what would that do to your perspective for that season? You know, would it change the way that you look at it? I find that helpful because for me it makes me want to lean into that season. Go, I don't want to be the guy. If you're waiting on me, I don't want to be the guy you're waiting on. You know, I want to embrace the season and grow and learn and lean into what he has for me so that we can crack on. But it's hard to hold, it's hard to hold that perspective you know and I think we need each other we need each other's help for that I need help for that to maintain that perspective so I wonder as we go into our groups you know the question I'd have us talking about is what would need to change for you to become a follower not a leader in your relationship with God you know what are the things that you know, if he's got these things that he's spoken over your life and you're prepared to follow those things and you're prepared to partner with them, what would need to change? You know, I think, you know, we've got to recognise within that that God's nature is love and he can't help but loving. Like, he loves, that's what he does. And he, in his love he has good things for us and we can trust him. And hedging our bets with our plans versus God's plans is not going to help us. It's just not going to help us. You know, I believe he is inviting us just to jump in and get in, get, get going on this life of faith with him and just to stop doubting, stop whinging, you know, start believing, start being led by him into his promises for me and for my family and this family and just recognise that he's a good God and he has good things for me. But also recognising he doesn't force himself on us. You know, he, there, there is a role for us in this. You know, it's a relationship. He pursues us and there's a role for you and I within this and a response for that. And, you know, I think, um, I think I'm starting to recognise that so much of the things that... Um, well, you know, if I think back to me for that moment, that, that, that moment that I go back to where I go, I know that I know that that was God... I can think of this dream I had, which I've shared here before, and I won't go into now, but it's a dream of where God speaks into um, being a God of abundance and me having the opportunity to partner with him to distribute his abundance. And when life isn't as abundant, when the bank account's not as full as it needs to be, you can really sit there and go, what are you, what, what, how's that going to work, God? Like, I just, and just doubt it. But I think there's a role for me to partner with that 
and a role for me to lean into that and go, no, God, you are a God of abundance and God, you are a God that provides and you, 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 you are building things in me that are changing my perspective on resource and, and, and my role in that. And, um, and you've got, I, I can I know you've got work still to do, you know, like if I know it, then he knows it and there's probably a whole lot more that I don't know. But, um, but there's a role for me to play in that. There's a role for me to lean into that. And if I don't do my bit, I just don't think we're going to move forward. And, you know, that'll be disappointing, but, you know, that is what it is. But I've got, I've got a role in it. It's an invitation. It's not an absolute, you know, like the things that he speaks are an invitation. And it's like, well, I have an opportunity to respond to that invitation. And if I don't, well, then, you know, he'll achieve it some other way through some other person, you know. There are consequences. You know, we see the story of Moses and Aaron. There's consequences that Moses needed in Aaron. You know, it changed the script. It didn't have to be that way. And so there is a, there's a place for us to play. There's a role that we play. And I think, you know, a lot of our truths have been eroded by um, the discouragement that's come with whatever. Insert X here. So let's go into our groups, have a little bit of chat about this. Can you say the question yes, the question is, what would need to change for you to become a follower, not a leader, in your relationship with God? Cool. Wow. I mean, I think the thing that um. <laughs> Business class. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking as this morning was sort of, as this morning was sort of rolling through, just like how good it is to be a part of something where God is real. You know, like I was just thinking about worship this morning, and it's just so clear, you know, that that this. God is so real to you, Janessa and Ben and Curtis, and that, you know, there is something of a pursuit of God that's f flowing in the words that you're singing and a, and a desire to be connected to those truths. And, you know, grace, like the things you're sharing, they're just born out of a real heart, desiring the reality of God in your story, in your journey, in your desperate moments, in your... You know, and you really took us on a roller coaster of uh, some really challenging thoughts about God being king and having his place, being so personal and so close, but so powerful and so servable. And, you know, I saw, you just put that so well. And then to take it right into a deeply difficult moment and go, and here he is. You know, the God who's calling me to serve him with my life is showing up in my moment and serving me so well with his truth and promise. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and Glenn, to have you come and just share what is just such a, uh, I don't know, challenging and encouraging and inspiring perspective, uh, you know, and it's, it's born out of considered decisions occurring in your world and a life that you're planning and aiming for. And it's like, these aren't just ideas that are being thrown around. This is the reality of a God who is encountering us and releasing to us the good things that he has. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of something that just has such uh, relevance and application and you know and I and I do think that uh, in reaching together and and you know most of what's shared here this morning has very little to do with a Sunday morning 
Now these are life truths. You know, this, this has very little to do with church. This is a pooling of the things that God's doing in our life and in our world. And yeah, I think um, something is uh, rising among us. Yeah, and that's a, that's a gift. So yeah, thanks for an incredible truth. And, and really, you know, maybe more than that, like, you know, thanks for living an inspiring life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think we're going to get there just trying to solo this out. And yeah, it's, it's uh, remarkably encouraging and challenging. Yeah. Let's just thank God for a second. Father, we just thank you for your patience, for your plans, for your purpose, for your love. Yeah, we just thank you that you just so convince us of your nature in the way you act toward us and the way you treat us and that you're just so patiently inviting us into something wonderful. God, the ache in your heart that must exist when we say, I'm not sure it can be that good. Father, we wanna trust you. We wanna step out, we wanna reach for you. Would you show us this week where we can take a step toward an invitation to partner with the surety that we have, that if it doesn't look good yet, he's just not finished. And so, Father, we pray for the situations and circumstances across our family that are unfinished, for people that find them in a tough place in relationships or in things that are occurring in the lives of people that we love, in situations where, God, you're not finished working things through with our kids or with a situation that feels too much. God, with the future that you hold for us, the plans and the visions that you have, we just want to want to rise up a trust in our hearts this morning to say, God, you're good, and we want to roll these lives in together to say, what would God do with a people who would say, we trust you? So we just say, we are those who are coming to trust you. Yeah, thank you for your plans and your purposes and for the people you've gathered around us. Let's commit them to you in your name. Amen.